What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Real Talks podcast. My name is Mike Singletary. And I am Frank Chen, and we are going to be your hosts. And what we're going to do is break down what it takes to live life on your terms through entrepreneurship, specifically real estate investing. So we're going to hit it hard, the good, the bad, and the real, because that climb, as any entrepreneur knows, is never smooth. So let's get real. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Real Talks Podcast, and I'm excited to bring you a great guest today. And usually we're talking about houses, we're talking about strategy and mindset, and what separates today's call from all the other ones that we're going to be focusing on an asset that most people feel aren't worth anything, or it's just not a good investment strategy, or plain and simple, they just don't even know about it, or all the possibilities. So if you're here today, you're about to learn about how land flipping can really outpace some house flippers. And who we have here with us today is Mr. Ray Zhang. And he moved to this country 11 years ago. And what was interesting about his story is that he was homeless when he first got here. And after many years of struggling, and about five years ago, he actually stumbled across a strategy of land investing where he currently now only does about two to three hours a day of work and makes roughly around seven figures a year doing land completely virtual with a very, very small team. And I think right now it's about one VA, right? Yeah. And what's really interesting about Ray's story is that he didn't, it's not that he didn't try to go down the route of house flipping. He actually spent at least 150 grand on different programs and coaching. And really what he all he got in return was frustration, overwhelm, and doubt. And I think that's really relatable to a lot of people who are trying to get into real estate and trying to figure out where do I begin? But on that journey, within four years, he was able to complete 300 land deals, and that really kind of set his pace to where he is today. But more importantly, it's really provided a ultimate lifestyle now for him. It's kind of the American dream. He's a phenomenal father, a present dad, and of course, an amazing husband. You know, I think that's why we, a lot of us do what we do is to provide for our families. And it's really cool that he's like, has this kind of background and now has created this lifestyle for his family. It's again, truly, truly an American dream. The reason why I personally wanted on you here, Ray, is both us being Chinese. I know, you know, very different backgrounds coming through to this, but you've reached a level of success that is really just quite impressive. And I would love to just dive in and figure out like, what do you have to say all the to all the house flippers out there, right? Like why land flipping and why, why, what's wrong with house flipping? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, uh, Frank, for you remind me here. And uh, I think the thing with houses is it's very hard to get into those when you first started because you have this big mega <clears throat> investors in your area and that they like dominate the area already with a lot of direct mail or cold calling or text message. And sometimes it's really hard to get into that. Right. And uh, for me, when I first started, it wasn't hard for majority of the areas. But when I was in Hawaii, that was hard for me because Hawaii market is kind of different than the mainland. And uh, I just have to figure out a way to make it work. I tried different you know, strategies, houses, apartments. It never worked out very well for me. So I was like, you know, what should I do? And uh, then I see this land opportunity because I can do it completely virtually. I don't need to be anywhere and. I can be anywhere flip land and I can also flip anywhere in the in the mainland. 
So that kind of attract me. And uh, the most important thing is uh, people don't have emotions, uh, much emotions towards land. I got uh, a message yesterday. Well, my students got two land for free, and each of them were thirty to forty-five grand. That's crazy. When did you hear like people give a house for free? Right. What What would you say like is one of the main reasons? Because I've heard this before with other land flippers out there. Is like what mm. what what situation are most people in where they're like, you know what, just take this off my hands. I don't want to <laughs> deal with this anymore. I'll get like I'll buy you could buy it for me for a dollar. Like what what what's <laughs> actually going on in their life where they're they would consider that? Yeah, I just bought a dollar. I just bought a land for a dollar about last month. Uh, I'm closing it, closing it next week, next Tuesday. And uh, after all the closing costs, I made about fifteen hundred, and uh, that land worth about eighteen, seventeen thousand. Do so, you self close those, right? No, no, I use a title company. Oh, you do? Oh, I see. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Because uh, I don't want to. You know, that's a must because it was in Georgia. Uh, you have to hire a real estate attorney to close it. Otherwise, I will self close. Um, yeah, but uh, the thing about the reason behind it is people hate it so much, and that they don't do nothing for house. You can rent it out, so you can get some cash flow, right? But yeah. when did you hear? Uh, you know, I rent my land out, <laughs> maybe to the farmers. <laughs> but what if there's a uh, land in the middle of the cities? What do you do with it, right? So you, you the 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 land grow on trees. There's a lot of wheat, and uh, the city gave them tickets for not be able to clean it and there's an HOA fee on top of it some some land really yeah and uh so that costs money and they just hate it so much uh that guy you know normally if you think about it you, you don't pay HOA for many years and maybe you give it out right but he told me I just pay the HOA off the property taxes are all current uh everything cost me about you know a thousand each year um I just paid off so you don't have any uh, dues, and uh, I just want to sell it to you for a dollar. You wow. know, man, Ray, I'm so glad to have you on because, you know, we just got rolled into the land space completely, 100%, probably about six mm. months ago. We've been dabbling mm. in it about a year. And it is, just like you said, a totally different animal like there is no emotion because we we had this big elaborate sales process with houses and and you know trying to dig into the motivation and then all this other stuff but with land it's really yeah. transactional to a certain yeah. degree right Absolutely. um so but we, <laughs> i want to know how you run your business on such a skeleton crew with just one VA because obviously I'm doing it wrong because I have I have a I have a much bigger <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, much bigger overhead I don't like that yeah. <laughs> not, not that I don't like the fact that you're doing better than me I don't like the fact that I'm spending a lot of money <laughs> you know what I mean could be yeah 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 you're the boss I'm just the employee right so uh, how I do it is uh, there are six steps of process flipping land the first one is market selection second is how to make offers. Market selection is easy. I can get it done within 30 minutes. Uh, how to make offers, I can get it done within two hours, uh, one hour and a half. That's two hours in, right? Yeah. And uh, after that, I just send out the mailers and a uh, guy calls. When a guy calls, I start to call them back. That costs majority of my time. And then when I decide to buy a land, I send it to the realtor. The realtor calls it, I close on it, and the, the title company calls on it, and the realtor lists it and uh, get it sold. I don't even need to do nothing. Nothing. So, you know, you look at this whole process, where did your time go? Majority is I just, you know, talk to the sellers. That's about it. Let's talk about market selection, man. I mean, yeah. um, 
you know, we, we go through this analytics as far as market selection. Are you doing mm -hmm. the same thing as like, like what, just walk us an overview on how you select a market. Yeah. It depends on what strategy you are in. If you're in infill uh, investing, which is what I'm doing right now, meaning, uh, you see a lot of houses in the middle of it. There's a land that's called infill lots, right. right? And, uh, the rural land is you drive around, you see nothing, but frank and land right <laughs> <laughs> could be out there i could be out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but you see any nothing but land that's called raw land and uh i don't do raw land much i do infill lots so uh, as far as market selection i don't choose the major market as well some like uh if you're in texas I'm, i don't target dallas if I if you're in Florida, I don't target Orlando. I just target about two uh, hours away from you know that major city, okay. and then those ones are in the growth path, and uh, I can still be able to sell it very quick. Mm, got it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting, man. So when you price it out um, and you figure out what the market value on is on, especially because I live in Texas and it's a non-disclosure state, right? So yeah, I have, yeah. luckily I have MLS on, on pretty much most of them, but whenever we buy in other states and it's non-disclosure, we got to use, you know, like Redfin and Zillow and it's not an exact science, um, you know, not to get too much in the weeds or we get as much as you want. You know, how do you come mm -hmm. up with that market value for that? That lot. Yeah, I did a um, uh, interview with Joe McCall, and uh, yeah. I think you, you guys know him. Uh, yeah. he, we we did a step by step process on how to uh, determine the value of the subdivision, and uh, we just determined the value for price per acre for the particular subdivision, and then we offer about forty to fifty five percent on that market price. Got so how, how do you know granular yeah. as a subdivision? Like you don't yeah. go uh, zip code or anything like that. I used to mail zip code, but that's too large. Uh, zip code yeah. has a lot of subdivisions, right? And uh, we just look at the sold price. We don't look at any assessed value. And uh, we just look at what's the sold price nearby in the same subdivision. And then we offer 40 to 55%. Or that, that's your initial offer? Is that usually yeah. your buy box? Yeah, yeah. So that that's... Only in the first layer. A second layer is after the call comes back. Uh, they there are two type of people who call us. The first one is they're ready to sell, and the second type is they're ready to curse. Right? So <laughs> they, they, That's, they, true, they, That's direct <laughs> mail. <laughs> so they call us and curse on me. I curse them back. You know, kind of fun. And uh, if I don't, if they accept my offer, I negotiate again. Mm. Do you uh do you go straight? Do you answer every single call? Do you go into a voicemail and then you call them back? Yeah, uh, normally I don't call. I don't take calls live. Uh, I go it. to the voicemail. I call them back. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the largest challenges for like newer investors is when you're anytime a coach tells them just offer 40, 55, but what, isn't that too low? Like, isn't that too low? Aren't they going to get mad about that? Right. Yes. And your, and your, your solution is it's, you're going to get cursed at. <laughs> That that's that's it. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> like, is that your response to them? Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> if you cannot take it, I guess uh, the corporate route might be for you, uh, because 
because uh, in order to do any type of business, think about it. You will get people to like you. You know, there the fear of success is real. I never understood it because sometimes I was like, why people fear of success? Because you get a lot of eyeballs and people criticize you no matter what you do, right? So think about Jesus and he does all the things for us and everybody is hating him in his age. So, you know, whatever you do, you will get cursed. I'm sure you have haters, Frank. You have haters, Mike. I uh, have I, no problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves me. I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> 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 At least, you know, that's yeah. my, everybody's shielding me from the, the real hate. There's probably like a Reddit out there. Like everybody Absolutely. hates Frank Chen, you know, <laughs> probably. Right. Um, You're like, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when this become about bashing me, man, that's great. I'm out on rule land. We all love you, Frank. Everybody Red loves you. Don't all worry. Right, all right. Yeah, all yeah. right. Bullshit. Oh, <laughs> um, but that's true. I think that's such a good, you know, piece of advice there is, you know, I like how you said corporate America is free. Like how much you know, shit do you eat, you know, working at a corporate job, making someone else rich. And you just kind of glaze over that. But when you kind of pursue your own future and your own like business, it's almost like your tolerance for that is like so low. And it makes no sense. Like when you're yeah. pursuing something you're passionate about, you're not willing to fight for yourself. But when you're working for someone else, you're willing to fight for them. It's like, that's crazy. I guess I a lot of people just uh, so they value their other people's opinion so much and yeah. they think, Oh, this guy really care about me, but you know, they are wrong. Nobody care about you unless your family and, uh, they talk about you and the next minute they forget about who you are. So, but you, in your mind, you'll be like, Oh, everybody's looking at me. So I better not doing things wrong. I mean, that's so on yeah. point, man. And plus where I think most people are just scared of rejection period. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, being in this business, you're rejected 95% of the time. So it just calluses you up, uh, especially yeah. when you're like, for us, we do a cold outreach, which is like people are always screaming at us or hating on us. And I, I don't blame yeah. them to a certain degree. Right. But yeah. it just calluses you up and then you don't have a problem. Like when, when normal stuff for me, and I think uh, that applies to you guys too, I don't have a problem asking for what I want because I expect it to be a no. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. I mean? <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. At least I asked. <laughs> yeah absolutely you know one thing before we go more into the land side because i know listeners are really curious about that side of the business you know you've been in the states now for how long been in states for about 11 years 11 years okay yeah. mm -hmm. um kudos to you and learning the language i have people who lived here for 15 20 and they still don't speak very much english Dude, that uh, blows my mind man. and, and yeah. there's no problem with that you know not i'm asian too by the way if you didn't know right i'm half asian my mom Ray's is like nah he's mexican you don't look like and my mom has been in the state for i don't know 30 40 years and her english is still the same it's good, right <laughs> blows my mind so uh, well, it's my mother-in-law too, but thank God my son's going to learn Korean because of that. Cause she doesn't speak right. English very little, right. but right. to your point being here 11 years ago, uh, you mentioned being homeless, which means, you know, you had the language barrier, probably didn't speak a lot of English. Then coming to a States were pretty unforgiving to foreigners. Honestly, 11 years ago, Chinese people not really treated that great. We're, we're a minority as well, believe it or not. Uh, right. Don't let my English fool you. I'm an ABC, right? But for you being here and kind of pulling yourself out of that, tell us a little bit kind of like, what was the mindset coming into the States? I'm assuming it's one of those, I can't afford to fail, but mm -hmm. you also had a huge hill you got to climb up. Give us a little mindset of like, you know, year one, you being here, what was the biggest challenge for you? 
Uh, I think the initial thoughts was I want to change my life because my dad was a taxi driver and uh, my mom was selling tickets on the bus. So we didn't make a lot of money. So mm. I want to change my life. We have a comfortable living in China. Uh, but I was like, is it? Is this all it is? You know, and uh, mm. is there anything else I can do? And then all of a sudden I talk, they talk about America. You can have the opportunity to go there. So I went here. I came here and uh, I started to just talking right so some you know i i wish i can still get hold of the people who i talked to when i first came here because they don't i have no idea what i talk about i just keep talking right and, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just now non-stop but practice right yeah uh, about half a year later i i start to understand some of the english language and i think the biggest difference is uh is this i have been studying uh, why people stay poor and why people get rich all of a sudden, right? Um, that, that's a mindset change. So I was uh, wiping floors. I was a janitor for a couple of months. I was earning about $800 per month. And after about four months later, after I discovered this secret, I was earning $10,000 per month. So what is the secret? Wow. Um, the secret is there are three kinds of people. The first kind of people is complainers. They never satisfied with their life. They blame every, everyone else but themselves. Uh, we have a president uh, like this, couldn't even figure out things wrong or right. And, uh, or, or, or anything. English is better than his. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, oh, man. I love this. This is so good. That's the first type of people, right? And uh, you know, of course, you don't you don't want to be like him. You don't want to stay nearby those type of people. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you'll be influenced. Sometimes we feel like, oh, there's no way I get influenced by that guy. But you know, Tom Crow, yeah. my mentor, tell me, uh, to not get influenced by the people around you. You just like trying to walk around the beach without trying to uh, trying to get your trying to not get your feet wet. Mm. Yeah, but anyway, so that's the first type of people. Second type of people is, is they think they are achieved their American dream already. They have a house, they have a car, so they're satisfied, right? They are very happy. Uh, I have a, a Chinese friend who told me respectfully, he said, you cannot teach a pig to fly. You know, that's very hard because the pig don't want to fly. So you cannot motivate a people, a person who don't want to move forward, right? But the third type of people is the rich people. And uh, I've been studying them forever and uh, try to find out what's the huge difference between them and the normal people. And this is what I found out is they have the ability, they have the special ability. They all have this ability, by the way, uh, of trying to, they already know what's going on in the future and they grab it to the present and act as if it's already mm. happened. And the key thing is already happened, not it will happen. So think about Steve Jobs. He didn't tell his team, hey, team, just design a, a iPhone that better than Blueberry. I don't care how it looks, just better, right? He didn't say that. He tell his team, design me a phone with one button, and uh, I don't need anything else. That one button has to control everything else. So he saw that in his mind in the future. He grabbed the future to the present and acts as if it's already accomplished. So... You know, I'm sure that you guys not come from a, a, a rich family, uh, but how did you arrive here? That mean, that's because you had a dream and uh, you you just act towards that dream and as if it's already 
going to happen or has already happened. Bro, that's so powerful. You, I think you nailed it uh, as far as that's concerned. I mean, um, and you, when you level up your uh, frequency, your vibration, you know what I mean? Yeah. You are, sometimes you know, when you go back and hang with people that you used to hang with, you see the difference. You can't see it on a day-to-day basis, mm. but it's kind of like if you ever move away or something like that and you go back and your group of friends are doing the exact same thing and right. you're, you've already evolved, but in the, in the moment, you can't see that yourself, that you're evolving. Does that, yeah. does that make sense to you guys? Do you guys ever experience that? Absolutely. I, I still have friends in China. They're earning about $500 per month right now. So it's hard to compare. Uh, I I don't want to say I I feel superior, but you know the the change is is huge. No, it's just a change. It's not. I don't think yeah. anything superior or yeah. inferior, right? It's just yeah. that you've just evolved into something different, you know, and that attracts something different as well. I think it's okay to say that you're better than them. And I don't. Yeah. Think that, <laughs> I think it's. Okay. I don't think you could say. I don't think you could say that. I still have great friends, and they're great guys. I mean, but some people right. are just happy with what they have and some people just aren't right and i think that we and who we associate with is people that are always trying to be strivers and push into something else and that's just a different frequency i can say i'm better looking that's about it (laughs) you better look i can't say that well i have to say the things i can say which is yeah no here's the thing i think there's too much apology goes behind your success like if i'm doing better than somebody it's because i pulled myself i changed my i did all these things and i try to help someone and they continue to fall victim as a uh due to their circumstances right look at your circumstances you came here nothing Mm -hmm. homeless and immediately were able to tell, like, I don't want to surround myself with people who are happy with where I don't want to be. Yeah. And, first, and if you're going to rise above that, you're essentially going to have to be better than them. Yeah. That's just, just how it is. Or better than get, that. Yeah. Yeah. If people it's get, hard for me to say better than uh, that. You know what? Here, everybody's on their journey, right? On their, on their thing. I don't know. I just can't say that. To me, I can't say that. But you're better than what you used to be yourself, right? Because that's the only thing that really matters. Yeah. Wow, and man, one thing, nice guy. You guys are what? such a nice. You're such a nice guy, Mike. I'm not a nice guy. I'm a dick. <laughs> and then, another thing is, uh, what you find out is, once you improve yourself a lot, you tend to lose a lot of old friends. And some of your yeah. old friends actually say bad things behind you. So yeah. I was kicked out in the my my. I came to America for for school. I was kicked out twice because what I thought used to be the good friend, they reported me. They said he's an international student and he's doing business right now. So he told the president of the school and the school president came to me and said, someone reported you. So I searched who reported me and that was my best friend. I mean, Damn. you know, you never know, right? So you, do, that, you don't. Yeah. Plus, I think Asians are like that. I can say that because I'm half Asian. Like in my in, in yeah. my community, it's like crabs <laughs> in a barrel. You know what I mean? They they're ha- they're happy when you're around, but if you're doing too much success, they're not overly that happy behind your back. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, I'm gonna just have to breathe on that van, and because I think it's just an interesting topic we're 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 discussing here. And that's another thing too is that your close people are observing you. You're gonna people have fan your flame. They're gonna, other people trying to put it out. But the bottom line is that we're on our own life journey. At the end of the day, yes, it takes a team. It takes a village. Yeah. Everybody's here to support each other. But at the end of the day, the, where we go is ultimately our decision, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, people can't get on board with that. And it, we grow, we, we evolve past them. 
And like you said, my, my, my circles constantly change. I always tell my wife, I'm a terrible friend. I don't really care about these kind of things because I have a very clear vision uh, I'm a pursuing. Anybody who wants to distract me from that will mm-hmm. keep you at an arm length distance. But that also protects us from slowing down, right? True. Complacency can easily be bred into your life through the people who are complacent. In their life. I think that's, it's one of the most contagious things is complacency. Especially yeah. if you hit that next level. Okay, fine. I've le- leveled up. Now I'm with the other rich people. There's a level of complacency there too. Would you agree? Right. Right? Yeah. Different so levels. It's like, yeah. So there's different levels to this. And I feel like you're constantly leveling up. Right? So let's let's kind of go back to like, so you, you, you're you going from $800 janitor. Now you're doing 10000 Obviously, it was a big mindset shift for you. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was your motivating factor? Did you have a did you, did you have a kid then? You know, were you married at the time? Like, what was, did you have any other kind of pressure factors that were influencing kind of your your trajectory? Right, and uh, I remember John Damon. Is that his name? The Sharks. Damon John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damon John. Okay, sorry, John. I got your name. John right. Damon. It's cool. Tomato, <laughs> right. tomato. Oh, whatever. <laughs> 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 All right. So uh, he wrote a book, The Power of Broke. Um, I think that's a mindset behind it. And a lot of time when you're broke, you feel so motivated to to change. And uh, a lot of time we feel the pain, but people forget to use the pain to motivate them. Mm. So how much how much do you hate your life? And if you don't take action, that means you don't hate your life so much yet. And if you hate your, much, hate your life so much, you're willing to do anything. You know, and uh, mm. that use of pain to motivate you uh, is a much more powerful source. So but, you have you have students that come into your door every every day, every week, every month. I know you're, you're on socials and things like that. You know, when you have students who you can identify their pain isn't big enough, what advice do you have to them to kind of get their butt moving? Um, I, I I don't know because it's hard to motivate a person who is satisfied with their life. But I guess the minute they reach out, that means they're somewhat not very happy with their current situation, sure. right? Sure. So I teach people about negotiation as well. And sometimes, how do you make the seller have more pain? And uh, so there's pain. People try to do things to avoid pain. There's people do things to try to pursue the pleasure. And uh, you want to make the pain worse by making it longer. So for example, I tell you, okay, you experience pain right now. Okay, what about you take this pain and for another three years, how do you feel, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you make the pleasure by making it more details, right? So let's talk about if you say, I want to earn more money, that's not detailed enough. So what about a million dollars right now in front of you, you're counting it, smell it, and that's more detailed and you feel more pleasure. So make the pain longer, make the pleasure uh, more detailed. Normally it will, they'll feel more motivated. Yeah. I want to, I want to highlight something you said right there. That's super, super, super important. And I've seen this done with multiple exercises where we, you go, uh, it's my vision extraction with one of my group's leadership boardroom. You guys know Sean McClaskey and stuff. So mm-hmm. we always say like, what do you want? We'll say, I want to make more money. It's like, well, what is what is that? Like, how do you go deeper, right? Like, oh, I want to, like, what does money do for you? Oh, money is going to allow me to pay my bills. Okay, what is, well, oh, it alleviates that stress month to month. Oh, it also allows me, and then it allows you to go deeper and deeper. I think a lot of people who are listening, that's usually their remark. Why do you want to do real estate? Financial freedom, 
what does financial freedom mean to you? And then they're just not willing to go deep enough, right? Like seven whys or something like that. Yeah, the deeper why yeah. I think is really a powerful exercise people can do, especially if we're not feeling motivated or feeling that long enough pain that Ray was mentioning. I think there's a lot of what we just talked about here like to think about, right? An exercise that you feel right now, you can do that. Like, why don't I feel enough pain? You know, whether that's losing weight, whether that's making that next phone call, or you yeah. have a whole people, a whole bunch of list of sellers who have called you in your voicemail, and all you have to do is pick up the phone, and they're not willing to do that. So find that pain, y'all. What would it be like if you just didn't make that ten grand this month, or what if you did, and then focus on the pleasure? I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's just the beginning is kind of hard. Once you get the momentum, it's hard to stop. Yeah, what, what, sure. I mean, once you have a little bit of that, that's the key about momentum, right? I mean, yeah. it's so difficult to, it's like, it's almost like you ever hear that analogy of an airplane where it takes 70% of the fuel just to get up. But once they get, they get in flight, they could pretty much travel halfway around the world on the rest of it. Right. Mm. And that's almost the same with starting your own business. It's like, it's really front loaded a lot of the work. And once you get that momentum, it could really catapult you to that next level much easier. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm curious, right? You know, obviously coming here, were you married at the time when you came here? No. No. So you, did no. you find your wife here? Yes. Oh, well, you say found. I don't, I don't think that's did how that relationships work, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, discovered her. You discovered her, right. right. <laughs> were she you already me. making money or were you me. broke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were you making money at the time or were you kind of on the process of kind of building this business up when you met her? Uh, I was actually homeless. <laughs> and you were actually homeless. You were homeless. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was leaving the car and, uh, you know, it was winter and uh, I said, you should go back to your dorm. I see was the student. So and she said, no, no, no. I just, just feel better, you know, in the car with you. So wow, uh, that's the moment I know, you know, she will be my wife because she is not looking at my my money she's definitely not a gold digger there's no gold right here right so, <laughs> just rocks the whole bunch right? of dirty rocks yeah yeah just a lot of land you know yeah, hey. Incredible bad, yeah. Right? yeah. so let me ask you as you have built out your business right a lot of times people who are trying to go, go into investing and maybe their significant isn't in the same industry uh like was she a supportive person through this process yeah, yeah, very supportive. Very supportive. Yeah. And is she a part of your business currently, or she? She? I know you have a a, a son, right? Yeah, I have, have two three, kids. I have three kids. Holy <laughs> moly! All right. Yeah, and um, but uh, they they're not involved. Uh, just me. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Um. So even though you didn't have that support there from it, this is this was a big enough goal and dream of yours that you pursued. Um. What is the natural like next step for you in terms of like where you want to take this? Like what is what is success? What's that next level of success for you? Now you're doing you know pretty much seven figures a year. What's mm -hmm. that next level for you? He's doing high seven figures. Let's just throw that out there because you've already put it on the internet, so I could so we could say it right. Oh, <laughs> you went from homeless to I think I saw eight hundred thousand net. Is, yeah. that, is that correct? Uh, yeah. I don't know about what timeline that was, but what a jump, right? Yeah, and so that's somebody uh, that's just been in the states for what you said, eleven years. About eleven years. Uh, but last year I made about eight hundred dollar profit. Uh, last year, eight hundred dollars. Uh, eight hundred thousand. Sorry, gotcha. <laughs> like eight hundred dollars. Can't, can't <laughs> brag about that, Ray. Can't brag about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your show, your show's name is the the the, the most Real failure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the most, yeah. That's the title for today's episode. Uh, but yeah, yeah so eight hundred thousand. So you know. 
what is what are you what are you saying you're going to be doing you know over the next three to five years is there a retirement number is there a magic number you know or is just the moon is the goal like where where do you see ray in the next three to five years now that you've hit this pretty you know impressive goal i already hired some uh marketing agency try to kind of help my coaching business that's one of my goal to help more people do what i do Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I want to use the profit that I'm generating from the land flipping. I want to build more houses. So I want to buy a land and just build a house on there uh, and then just keep the house. So, you know, eventually I don't have to work, but I will work for sure. There's no no retirement, right? So you're going into development? Yeah, I try to... Construction? You know, I'm not going to sell it. I just keep it myself. And uh, as far as land flipping, I want to do bigger deals, bigger parcels. Uh, I already hired a mentor myself and uh, have him teach me because he does, he buy a huge parcel. And then the first thing he does is sell the trees on it. And uh, so, for example, he just bought a land for 105000 and he sold the trees for 210000 Wow. And he divide the land and sell it parts by parts yep. i was like you know that's a lot better than what i do you know <laughs> that's what i love about land man i mean yeah. there's so many different ways of, of yeah. you know monetizing it and the utility of it um let me ask you about your students when you see a student coming in is there anything that that you can see and i think i think fred uh frank touched upon this that you're like hey this person's gonna kill it or this person's gonna not mm. Yeah, so basically the speed they take action, right? So when I tell them to do something and they said, okay, uh, I have sometimes teach uh, one week uh, in the, you know, we teach on Monday and the next class will be the next Monday. So normally the most successful ones get it done within a day. You know, mm. the, the kind of the, the one delay, they'll be doing it on sun, Sunday, Sunday night. You know, it's just like uh, doing homework, right? So yeah, that's fantastic. So action, yeah, the speed of action and the massive action. You know, for those who are kind of on the fence and are like, "Hey, I need a coach." Obviously, you've invested in plenty of coaches, right? You know, what are the mm-hmm. pros and cons from your experience hiring coaches, good coaches, bad coaches? You know, what advice do you have to people who are kind of on the fence making that, uh, trying to make that decision? Yeah, you definitely need a coach, but you have to find the right one. Um, the one that keep doing deals, not just like a professor and teach you what to do. And they never done any deal themselves. And, uh, I would try to avoid those. Um, you can see by how many deals they, they are doing right now. Uh, another thing I would say is, uh, how successful his student is, right? So does he have any success students? Uh, I think that's very important to me as well. And be precisely detailed of what you want to do because what you try to do might be a huge category. Uh, Sometimes people say, I want to do house flipping. But in house flipping, there are a lot of stuff. There are wholesaling, there's buy and hold. You know? For land, it's the same thing. There's uh, infill loss, there's rural land, there's uh, subdividing. You know, Which one you want? Right, so choose one particular one and go with it. That's a huge mistake I made. I first paid a guy seventy thousand for a land coach. I thought he would tell me about flipping, and he taught me about how to sell the land on terms. I was like, "That's just, that's the last thing I want to do." Hmm. 
right? Yeah. Really? Okay. Because I know there's some land programs coaching out there that that's where yeah. their model is, is creative finance for land, right? Yeah, yeah. And what, you don't like your, that model. What, yeah, what, what's your opinion on that? And why is it that you don't like that? Yeah, I think that's a waste of time. And then you get a lot of tire kickers. The people who teach those is kind of like find an easy way out because it's really easy to to buy a land for like a thousand to a thousand dollars and try to sell it on terms. But it's extremely hard to, to sell. Uh, when you try to post your ad on Facebook, there are a lot of people ask you, is this available? And then they're gone. They're not available anymore. You know, mm. the people who ask you. Uh, and uh, they're never gonna, you know, the, the 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 people who buy will buy the land on terms so is very few. And uh, when they actually pay the first month payment, in the next month they may be gone, right? Mm. Yeah. So that's why I think you you waste a lot of time doing that. So you're chasing people, and it's probably uh, death by a thousand paper cuts too. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you got you, you well, the Facebook will give you a hard time too, you know. And yeah, it, marketplace. It yeah. Do you so, close on all your properties or do you wholesale some of them? I just close everything. everything. Uh, cash has power, right? And you can yeah. get, get more discount. What do you do with those that are kind of like on your on the fringe? Because we'll, we do we, anything that's in our buy box, we close. But we have some that's like a little bit outside our buy box. We're like, well, we'll just go ahead and wholesale that. Or, you know what I mean? What do you mm -hmm. do with those? You just let them go or? Uh, I would still buy it if I, I'm not sure about the deal. Uh I just offer lower. So for yeah. example, I just bought the land a couple of months ago. There's absolutely no sold nearby in the 10 years period. No sold. Mm. So I bought it for two grand and uh, I can't afford to lose, right? And yeah, and for two grand and uh, I sold it for 10,000. So uh, you, you know, if you're not sure, just offer a price that you can afford to lose. Yeah, I've done that too. I bought it. I was like, I can't. I mean, I might as well, right? Yeah. So, you know, we've already talked about obviously some of your wins and you got some massive ones last year. Let's talk about like some of your losses, man. Like, what was one that that stands out? Uh, I never lose money in land flipping, but um, what I what I did was I did made a, make a lot of mistakes. I made mistakes earning money. So, for example, I bought what? a. <laughs> so, for example, <laughs> I bought a land. It's a wet wetland. You know, I didn't know. Otherwise, I will get my towels and take a shower there, right? But uh, <laughs> I just, I didn't know that was a wetland. So I bought it, and I bought it for four grand. Uh, I tried to sell it. There was an offer came in for you know eighteen thousand. I was very happy. Uh, and then the next day, he said, "This is wetland. We have to cancel the contract." Mm. So this go on off for like five times. You know, the number fifth time, I was like praying. You know, kneeling, you know, I was like, you know, help me find a buyer, you know, who don't know about anything about wetland, right? So <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the wrong prayer. Find me an, find me an ignorant person. Bring me an, bring me an ignorant yeah. person. <laughs> find me a bigger fool. Right? <laughs> so, Please, God. <laughs> so, so here you go. This guy oh, bought yeah. it uh, for, for 15000 Uh I don't know if he knows, but he bought it. And I uh, I think maybe uh, he wants to shoot ducks on there, right? But you know, yeah, yeah. But some people don't care. I mean, yeah. so. <laughs> here's what's something like you know. One thing that always fascinated me about land because you know, you know, we we know a mutual person in the land space. Where I worked with him for about three, four years. Got to really understand his business model. 
and the environmental aspects of it, right? Trees is one, but like people who do like art, RTVing or, or ATVing, ATVing, or they go hunting or how much, how, what percentage of your buyers typically are using it for like recreational purposes? Or is it more, they're looking to like build a house there and live there? Yeah, because I specialize in infill lots. So most of my buyers are trying to build on there, mm. build a house. And uh, the recreational uh, buyers are typically targeted raw land. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. On the infill side, though, are you because um, we'll do that. We'll look at it and we're like, OK, is there any new construction going on in that area? You know what I mean? Does that even matter to you whenever you're looking at it? You're like, well, this is a pretty established neighborhood. There's really mm -hmm. no new construction going on here. Um, is that is that a is that something that you're like, you know, that that's not going to work for me? Not not very much. Uh, what I pay attention to the most is if there is similar lots so nearby. So if the lots is a slope land, maybe it's not even buildable. And uh, I just want to see if there's similar sold sold for slope land. And I want to see how much he sold it for. And then I will offer a huge percentage off, right? So that's more important to me and uh, the proven concept, right? So for example, I used to flip iPhones and I buy an iPhone. And how do you know how much this iPhone worth, right? So even there's a crack on the screen, you can sell at a certain price. You just have to see the exact same model, exact same problem, which is the screen cracked uh cracked screen and see how much it was sold for and then you offer a percentage of that and then you can pretty much sell it that that price so apply the same concept to the land and uh you know it worked out pretty well uh, another question i have and this is really more self-serving than anything else we have found that you know in the beginning of the year we were just killing it and then the appraisals came out and then all of a sudden you're like everybody wants the appraisal price which you know i can understand that right mm -hmm. uh is that something that affected your business at all or were you did you find a way to get around that yeah so uh, the thing about land is uh i think for houses the same um but a lot of sellers are pretty aware of how much their house is worth but maybe they're not very aware of how much their land is worth mm -hmm. and uh, the sellers sometimes the only thing they know is, oh, my land worth uh, sales value, but the market price is always higher than the sales value, right? It's for land, at least. Sometimes, yeah. Right? For land, it's all the time, right? So normally, uh, if I buy a land, I try to target below that sales value, and uh, if they want the quick cash, normally they give me a big discount. Hmm. So uh, that's how it works in, in land. That's interesting. interesting. I didn't know that. So you think, and your students are, are most of your students coming from the house side and going into the land side, or are they just completely fresh? Yeah, uh, most likely they're they don't know they they have do a lot they have done a lot of research on houses and they came to the land. They think is is easier, right? It is. Oh, it is easier. Yeah. Well, what it, you guys are both in the housing space. What kind of continue? This continues to like baffle me. Is why isn't there like everybody who I know who started in houses, who has gotten the land has said the leads, leads are easier to work with. The sellers are easy to deal with. The asset itself is much easier to manage because there's not a physical property on it. I've seen all the marketing, the hooks, all the angles. Why aren't more house flippers getting involved with land? Like what is their there biggest are. limiting? It is. There are. Quite a bit right now. There, there are. Is there. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we belong to the same mastermind. Uh, we had a mastermind last month in Jacksonville. So I went there and I tried to ask some questions. And uh, in the audience, we have two person. The first one specializes in hiring. So he hired people for companies. I remember him, yep. Yeah, and uh, the other is uh, a mail service company. So they print the mails and send out to the owners of the land of the property, right? So they both said uh, this couple of years, especially recently, all the land company reached out and asking me to hire more people for them. And that's the first one. And second one is the mail house said we have a whole lot more land flippers now trying to mail out to the landowners. Other than it being easier, what do you feel like there's any other indicators, factors out there that are contributing to this more of this interest now into land? Yeah, more less competition and also the barrier of entry is very low. So you can buy a land basically at any price range you, 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 you target. So for example, when you first started, you don't have a lot of money. Maybe you have a few thousand and you can find markets that the land worth a few thousand. Mm -hmm. And if you have mm -hmm. like a million dollars, you can find a market that land worth a million dollars. So, you know, it's different levels. But for house, you know, you buy a house, how much is it? 30, 40, up to 100 at a minimum in the lower markets, right? Right, right. Yeah, I think also, I mean, I think a barrier entry, it, it is low. And I love that what you said, because it's 100% true. But wholesaling land is significantly more difficult than it is wholesaling houses. You know what I mean? Um, your, your buyer pool just isn't as much. Right? So you, I mean, for us, especially when you get up in a little bit higher level of uh, market value land, it's best to close it. Yeah. So uh, there's, I see people doing, they just uh, market their contract on the MS for land. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that too. It's illegal in some states. Yeah. So which if you had the obviously I don't want to ask you the, like a, a dumb question such as, oh, if someone's getting started in real estate, should they choose houses or land? You're definitely gonna say land, right? Yeah. I'll say <laughs> houses. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna say land, right? Get, get frustrated and come here. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like you could probably save someone a lot of time who's listening to this, where it's like, you know, the HG the HGTV lifestyle, the oh, I want to own an asset. You know, I want to have a tenant and all these things. You know, I guess if you're not really into seller finance or creating air, air quote cash flow using this this asset, but that's important for somebody. What kind of advice do you have to them if they're trying to build up steady income versus I have to flip these to create the cash for myself? Like, what what Absolutely. advice do you have to them? Absolutely, just like uh, animal lovers. Some people love cows. Some people love sheep. Right. So if you own the the if you own the sheep, that just sell more cows to buy the sheep right so what is the ideal sheep for for cash flow apartments you know you get well, apartments you get 10 doors instead of one house uh you know this is my point of view but uh you can sell more land and use the cash to buy apartments and that's mm. that's the easy way right so land is supposed to be the cash cow to produce the cash right and use the cash to do to buy the thing that actually generate cash flow. That is one hundred percent. Although I, I advise everybody to stay out of land, <laughs> <laughs> especially in Austin, Texas, and wherever else he's buying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's it's such. It, it, I'll be honest. Like one of my my only set in land. I'm almost embarrassed to bring this up, but we're gonna keep it real. Is using myself as a case study for one of the people who teaches land has coaching programs. I went into his program. We created the LLC. 
got the marketing, found our markets, did the initial research, just like you did, very quick to do. Everything was mostly public information. And we sent on our mailers. And believe it or not, I think we had like 30, 35 people reach back out to us. And then we were that, I had a business partner at the time who had zero interest in any, like zero background, not interest, zero background. And we just failed to make the phone calls, right? So like it died on the vine. But what I was really impressed by is the response rates to that direct mail. It was incredible. And again, we did the templates where we automatically offered 30 to 40%. So these people were actually interested. Uh, I, should have, I should have just sold those leads to someone who was actually serious. But yeah. um, it, it still blows me away about how much interest is actually there. So conversions, I think with houses, it's like sub 1% in terms of response rates. It's point, that, I think it's 0 0.05 the last time I checked, right? What yeah. would you say land is currently? One, one to 5%. Really? 5%. Yeah. <laughs> one, one to five percent. One to five percent. Oh, yeah. if you five percent, yeah. If you if you over a lot more, you get a lot whole lot more calls. So I did I did a oh, offer more. Yeah, I did an experiment uh, where I offered twenty times more, uh, you know, than what I supposed to offer. So I supposed to offer about two grand. I offer about you know thirty five thousand. Just to to see, uh, just to prove my student, you can still get deals when you when you mail the wrong offer. So I got, I sent thirty five hundred mails. I got five hundred calls. Holy! Just because you and, just higher price point. Yeah, I got seven people call me at the same time. Well, what was the market value of the land? About about, about five or six thousand. Five or six, and you're offering them thirty five or some of that. Yeah, yeah, but okay. that was intentionally. Yeah. Uh, I got 11 deals out of the 3,500 mailers and I bought all of them for a thousand, 1100, you know, 1500, something like that. Well, I guess I'm confused by that. So you, you offered higher, but gave them less. Yes. So I, I just try to do a experiment with my student because he said, there's no way you can, you know, do that. You know, they, you offer a price and you drop down for significantly. You cannot do that. I said, you can. You don't believe me, so I, I just mail mail like that. I, I did a twenty times more than the initial offer. What an interest! That is such an interesting so, approach. I love that. I'm assuming <laughs> that you're trying to do an exercise because they were so worried about their offer or what that offer yeah. has to be perfect and stuff that you're like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't matter. Check this out. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, just get them a lot phone. of people's minds by doing that right now. Yeah. Uh, so I have a friend who's been doing this for a couple of years now. He went through a coaching program doing land, and he's focusing on I wouldn't say rural, but you know maybe twenty miles twenty miles alpha out of the main city areas. He's been struggling with direct mail. He's just now starting SMS, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think he just started last week. What have you seen in that, like in terms of? response rates direct mail versus sms which one's better are you doing both i think he got it backwards when you struggle with text message you should go direct mail but if he's struggling with direct mail he just need to be more consistent so uh the money is in the follow-up you just have to mail more right so oh, that's all the trade of, of all my successful students they just mail more than ten thousand dollar per month or more than ten thousand pieces per month uh if you keep doing that you know, you'll have more deals. Got it. So how many counties do you recommend or how many areas do you recommend that uh, your students start off with? Start with one. And it, there's power, power in focus. Yeah. Are we talking about like at an MSA or are we talking about like a zip code or? One county. One county. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And what are you looking for typically in terms of volume in that county, right? Are, when you're looking up for sales in the area, is there a magic number or is it just if, as long as there's activity there, it's worth giving it a shot? Yeah, yeah. At least have uh, in the past three months, uh, you have to ha at least have about 50 or 60, 60 sold for, for that county for land. Right. And, a, and a site like Zillow is good enough to kind of just get that initial data? Absolutely. Zillow, Redfin, is good to go. See, man, that's what I love about land, man. You can just use It's right there for you. You yeah. just got to go do it. Um, <laughs> get an answer phone call, man. And answer, that's the one thing about land I think people is, is going to be the hiccup for most people is they got to pick up the phone and you got to be able to Yeah, True, true. Um, is there any way of automating that pro? I know like one of the number of questions I ask people is like, is there a way to do this business without what with you avoiding to take those phone calls? Is there a solution? You, sure. You just hire a acquisition manager and pay him out of commissions. And what, what does that typically look like? Uh, you know, you hire a guy and don't pay him the base salary, just pay him out of the commissions and he's very motivated to, to, to take calls. Right. And then, after you close the deal, gave him 10%, 15%, and you're good to go. Dude, you know, I have I have a, a, a U.S. acquisitions guy, but I have two people from the Philippines, and they close deals right. as well. You know uh -huh. what I mean? It's like you, you could have virtual VAs closing deals on land, which is unbelievably yeah. difficult to do in houses, you know, because it's so transactional, right? And you got to process and stuff like that. So uh, as far as that's concerned on land, the sales process is so much easier. Actually, yes. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you were here because I feel like, you know, with what you've put together for yourself over these last 11 years is really a product of your own like efforts, your own resilience. You know, I think a lot of the success you've earned uh, or you've received is what you've earned. So I want to commend you for that, man. It's impressive. You know, I, I wish we had the opportunity to dive deeper into the business, but I try to get out of the minutia of, okay, here's an A to Z of how to create a land flipping business. That's not what this podcast is about. It's about how he began and where he got and the process mm -hmm. of getting there, right? There's a lot of power in that. Uh, the education's out there. But with that being said, you know, where can people, you know, get more information or join your communities or figure out, you know, how to get under Ray's belt uh, while he kind of coaches them? Like, where, where can people get more information about you, brother? Yeah, I post a lot of content on Instagram and TikTok, and uh, my uh, Instagram is called Virtual Flip Land, Virtual Flip Land, and uh, TikTok the same thing. Um, I just post it daily. So if you have any questions, just let me know, and I'm uh, happy to, to help. We'll put a link, obviously, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, hey, Ray, super impressive. Uh, what a great story. You know what I mean? What a fantastic you, story that you came here not long ago, homeless, found the woman of your dreams when you're homeless. I mean, yeah. that's obviously a key keeper. <laughs> and then grew this business and, and uh, helping other people grow their, their dream, yeah. right? Yeah. It's amazing, dude. So uh, super commendable, man. Thank you, Mike. I'm Thank always you, Mike. about the immigrant story. And I think if I always can like impress upon people at the end of these episodes, it's like I've been like, blow like i'm not blown away i've been like just bombarded with people with who just are just buried by their own excuses you know and their outcomes right. are not even remotely close to your outcome right and you've been able to just be a kind of a a pillar of light 
an example for these, you know, excuse givers. And I'm sorry, I got to be real here. You know, like if you're on here listening here and you're not, you have not reached that level of success, success that you want to be. And you've been given these opportunities and you've squandered them. Understand that this is solely your, your doing, right? Like, I love having guests on like Ray here because it, it's yeah. proof that you're not a product of your circumstance. You can change it by changing what's between your two ears, right? Surrounding yourself with the right people, being mm -hmm. motivated, taking quick action. I think there's a theme here. Everybody we've had on so far, week after week after week, it's the same thing. And I hope by the time you guys hear this, you're willing to take that action. You know, yeah. Ray is a product of that. And I think it's really powerful to see, you know, a living proof. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Ray. And I think um, there's a lot of value that people can be received from just listening to this today. Thank you, Frank. Uh, I have a lot, last book to recommend, and uh, that book changed my life. I listened to it more than 500 times when, wow. I, was a, when wow. I was a janitor. I listened to that book about eight times a day uh, for four months. So that is a little book. It's called uh, Not Rich, That Poor Dad. <laughs> Everybody was thinking <laughs> that. It's like, it must be that one. You lost me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Not a one of those guys. It's called The Science of Getting Rich. The Science right. of Getting Rich. Yeah. Right. Do you remember who it was by? Like, who who the author of that book is? Uh, it's an old guy. I forgot his name. It's not so new. Hold on. You listen to it 500 times? I'm, I'm, oh, whatever happened, it's 100 times. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, you know, I just want to see what, sometimes I don't understand what they mean, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get this book. Usually when people recommend yeah. books at masterminds call, I immediately go to Amazon because it's so quick, but it's by Wallace D Waddles. Here you go. The Science of getting rich. Thank yeah. you for that recommendation. I'm going to get it. See, I learned something new. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we, we talk we for an hour and you just learn something new. Uh, sorry, <laughs> can't answer the phone. <laughs> I've had a great time with you, Ray. Thank you so much for spending Thank time with us Ray. today. We're so excited to you know follow you on this continued journey. Definitely will be a follower on your social channels. I already get it on Facebook, so I really think yeah. it's you know stay consistent. Uh, I think you have a really incredible story to continue to share and lives of impact. Hopefully, this platform gives you just a little bit more juice there as well. Be sure to follow Ray at Virtual Flip Land. Um, he's putting out content all the time. Great insight. And of course, write this down, the science of getting rich. Sure there's going to be tons of nuggets in there that you guys can learn from. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Mike and I really appreciate you guys listening, participating. Let us know if you enjoyed, if there was a thing that Ray shared today that really just hit you differently. We love to know that. Really you know, fuels our fire as well. Um, until next time, take care, everybody. And thank you again. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. So that's a wrap. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you receive value from this episode. If so, please share this podcast with your friends so we can help more people just like you. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, IG, and YouTube at Real Talks. That's R-E-I-L Talks. So until next time, keep it cool and keep it real.